0: I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour.
1: Chapter 1 of our six-part series on the life of Pope Pius XII, the Pope of Peace. This is the eternal city, Rome. The graveyard of history with its tombstones of the long dead and decayed. The memory of its glories fading in the ruins of the Colosseum. The gardens of Borghese and the fountains of Tivoli. But this is Vatican City, a monument to the living present and the living future. And the long past is still alive, as alive and as vibrant as when St. Peter, the first pope, trod this hallowed ground. And where more recently, His Holiness Pope Pius XII baptized Eugenio Pacelli passed on to everlasting life. This is the Vatican Radio, broadcasting in English. With heart heavy with sorrow, we give the following announcement. His Holiness Pope Pius XII is dead. He quietly expired at 3.51 a.m. Pius XII, the man most highly esteemed and venerated in the world in this century, expired today the 9th of October, 1958. What sort of a man was he? This most recent of the long line of our Lord's vicars on earth who lay buried in Vatican City.
2: Throughout his long life and to its very end, He served the Catholic Church with conspicuous ability and devotion. He was held in the greatest respect by all Christians for his saintliness, his character, his single-mindedness, and his Christian witness.
1: These were the words of Dr. Geoffrey Fisher, Protestant Archbishop of Canterbury, England. Mm the Reverend Pontiff will long be remembered for his
3: earnest exertions for peace, for his rescue of many victims of Nazism,
1: for his cordiality towards men and women of all faiths. And such was the tribute of Rabbi Maurice Isendroff, President of the Union of American Hebrew Congregations. Eugenio Pacelli, was born on March 2nd, 1876, on the Via degli Orsini, in the upper middle class section of Rome. Eugenio's father was dean of the lawyers, who practiced before the sacred rota, one of the church's highest courts. His mother was a papal marchioness. In 1893, when he was 17, Eugenio declared his wish to become a priest, and was enrolled at the Seminary of Capricana. Shortly afterwards, severe illness obliged him to return home, and the doctor ordered him to abandon his studies for priesthood. It was his mother, Donna Virginia, who realized her son's desperation, and it was she who approached her husband.
4: Filippo, mm? I want to talk to you. Mm hmm. I can't talk while you go on reading that newspaper.
5: Well, then perhaps if you could postpone what you have to say. No, Filippo. Well, what is it, Virginia? I'm i not sure how to begin. In that case, I suggest you give the matter some more thought while I go back to my newspaper. Filippo,
4: I've been thinking of our family... We've served the Vatican for a long time, haven't we?
5: I should say so. For over a century.
4: And your father even founded the Vatican newspaper.
5: Which is why I was trying to read this edition of it with so much reverence, till I was interrupted.
4: Filippo, in all these hundred years, has the family ever asked a pope any special favor? Certainly not. Then it's time we did.
5: What? Virginia, what did
4: you say? I said it's time we asked the Pope for a special favor. Otherwise, your son will never get well.
5: My son? Isn't he your son, too? I seem to
4: recall a relationship.
5: Will you kindly explain what you are driving at?
4: Eugenio wants to be a priest.
5: I've been aware of that ever since he was seven years old. But he can't be one. He has to remain home. Later on, when he gets better, he can follow in my footsteps. And in his brothers. He can study canon law. I think he should do well. He has a clear mind. You know what he once told me when I asked him to tell me what the word law meant? He said, law is the instrument of justice. I thought that was rather good.
4: Filippo, the boy wants to be
5: a priest. Virginia, he's confined to his bed. He can't attend the seminary. But
4: couldn't he study to be a priest while he's home? Of
5: course not. One has to live at the
4: seminary. I think If you personally ask the Pope for special permission for our son to continue his studies for priesthood while he's sick in bed... Oh, you think... Please. Please go to the Vatican, darling. I'm sure the Pope will see eye to eye with me.
1: Pope Leo XIII did see eye to eye with Donna Virginia Pacelli. And a year later, the boy was back in the seminary. In the year 1899, one month after he celebrated his 23rd birthday, he was ordained as he knelt before the patriarch of Antioch. Pray, dear brethren,
5: that God, the omnipotent Father, may multiply his heavenly gifts on this young man. His servant, chosen for the office of priesthood, Eugenio, receive the yoke of the Lord, for his yoke is sweet and his burden light. Come, Holy Spirit, creator, come.
1: And so began one of the most inspired careers history has known. Eugenio was a linguist. He was a brilliant scholar and he was a diplomat. He was given two brief assignments when he was ordained. He became assistant to the pastor of the Church of Santa Maria, where he had once served as altar boy. Prior to that, he assisted the parish priest of the new church. Meantime, he undertook a postgraduate course of canon and civil law at the College of Apollinaris. And the day came when Cardinal Rampolla... Papal Secretary of State sent for him.
2: Your Eminence sent for me?
3: Sit down, sit down, my son.
2: Oh, thank you, Your Eminence.
3: Good. I'm glad you can smile. Now, let me see. Why did I send for you?
2: I haven't the faintest idea, Your Eminence.
3: Well, I think it's because I find myself overworked. And I was hoping to find you have broader shoulders. They are not very broad, are they? Indeed they're not, Your Eminence. But you do have youth, and it occurs to me that I might place some of my burdens on you. In that case, my son, you'd find you have a place here inside the Vatican. I'm
2: scarcely worthy.
3: None of us ever is. But we have to mix humility with common sense in order to be practical, and this obliges you to come here as my assistant.
1: That was the year 1901. His first assignment came when England's Queen Victoria died that same year, and he was sent to London to extend the Pope's sympathy. Four years later, he became a Monsignor, and one year after that, he was made a domestic prelate, a member of the Pope's official family. And during this time, Pope Leo died and was succeeded by Pius X. 1911. George V is crowned King of England and Eugenio Pacelli, age 35, is the youngest member of the impressive delegation sent from the Vatican to represent the Pope at the coronation of the British King. 1914. Pope Pius X dies. He is succeeded by Benedict XV. In that same year, Germany goes to war. The Pope had once made peace proposals. All were rejected. Ruin and desolation spread across Europe. In 1917, the Pope sent for Monsignor Pacelli.
3: My son, in a very short time you will be consecrated an archbishop, and I shall perform the consecration myself. You will then go on a mission to Munich. As you know, Bavaria is the only country inside the German Empire where the Vatican is permitted diplomatic representation. But I need hardly tell you that your mission is not primarily to King Ludwig. I'm hoping you can somehow reach the Kaiser with our new peace proposals. Your assignment is quite an impossible one. But we must try. And you are my choice for the task go with you.
1: Less than a week after his consecration, the now Archbishop Pacelli left for Munich. Five days later, he went to Berlin to request audience with the German Kaiser. This was arranged, and the two met near Baden. The Kaiser wearing the full dress of a Prussian field marshal. My dear Archbishop, give me one
3: intelligent reason why I should be interested in a proposal of peace when I am winning the war. And you must know that Germany is winning and must win. I am dedicated to a German victory by force of arms,
1: let me add. Sixteen months later... The war ended with the total surrender of the German armies, and the Kaiser fled the country. Defeat for Germany was starvation. It was the creator of rabble-rousers and fanatics who either blamed God for their miseries or denied him altogether defeat was the hollow-cheeked women and children, creeping like starving vermin through the night, the weak envying those with the strength to die. The mob turned to Bolshevism, an importation from Russia, murdering and looting, taking refuge from its conscience by screaming Bolshevik slogans. The Allied Relief Commission was forced to leave, but Archbishop Pacelli remained at his post, living at the Papal Embassy, knowing his very life was threatened. The mob attacked the Archbishop's residence, breaking down the door. When the mob forced its way into the embassy, Archbishop Pacelli stood there, fingering the jewel cross he wore above his heart.
3: There he is. All right, priest. Say something before I blow your brains out.
2: What do you want here, my son? Food!
3: Food! We We have
2: distributed all the food we had. We've always shared what we have with you. So why do you come to this house dedicated to peace, armed with knives, and guns, You've got
3: plenty of food here. Bring it
2: out before we tear this place down.
3: And get out of this country.
2: We don't want your kind here. My dear sons, this is not your country. You're standing on the soil of Vatican City, its embassy. And the rest of the world will not take kindly to men who invade a neutral embassy and violate those inside it.
3: The rest of the world will soon be like us, communists and there won't be anything left of your kind in your miserable church. You hear me?
2: I hear you, my son. And I'm sure Jesus Christ hears you, too.
1: The mob left, contenting itself by stealing the embassy's automobile. And in these dark days, the German Empire was dissolved and a new republic set up. Archbishop Pacelli persuaded the new government... to allow the Vatican to be represented in Berlin... and he became nuncio for the whole of the country. But Germany was gripped in a reign of terror... as the red flag of communism was raised over the fatherland. And out of the filth of this Russian menace... Came its byproduct, Nazism, and the name of Adolf Hitler. And the world plunged towards a black future. But Archbishop Pacelli spent 12 years in Germany. And when he was recalled to Rome in 1929, 20,000 Germans marched in a torchlight parade in his honor as he boarded a train in Berlin. The new pope presided. Pius XI elevated Archbishop Pacelli to cardinal. Shortly afterwards, the new Cardinal Pacelli was appointed Papal Secretary of State, succeeding Cardinal Gasparri. In the meantime. Mussolini had come to power and the Vatican became the fortress of Christ, surrounded by hostile fascism as Mussolini conducted his war against the church.
3: Listen to me, Italians. Listen to me. The church, the Vatican, is nothing but a decadent hangover from the Middle Ages. Italian youth cannot serve two masters. It cannot serve both the state and the Pope. And I put the state above any judge. And I propose to disband all Catholic youth organizations.
1: In Germany... They were putting on brown shirts. In Italy, they put on black shirts. But the purpose was the same. And the Vatican became the front-line defense against the march of the dictators. One night, Cardinal Pacelli invited an American priest attached to his office to visit him.
2: I sent for you because you are an American citizen with an American passport. The fascist police will not, I think, try to molest you if you leave the country. I want you to go to Paris. I have a letter written by the Pope and addressed to all the world. It is in the nature of a protest against Mussolini's violation of treaties made with the Church... Unfortunately, the fascist party controls all media of communication. They would naturally suppress the Pope's letter. I want you to take it out of the country and place it in the hands of one of the big newspaper agencies.
1: In less than one hour after the American priest turned the Pope's important letter over to the Associated Press in Paris, the wires were carrying the Pope's message all around the world. The American priest is now Francis Cardinal Spellman of New York. Civil War in Spain. Mexico torn by religious conflict. Hitler now in supreme power in Germany. Italy invades Abyssinia as part of Mussolini's program of national expansion. And the Vatican openly denounces him for his enormous crime. And the world grows smaller. Cardinal Pacelli becomes the first Vatican Secretary of State to cross the Atlantic. He represents the Pope at the Eucharistic Congress in Argentina. He visits Brazil and Uruguay. And on the way back to Rome, he stops off in war torn Spain. He pays two visits to France, binding closer the ties that made all Catholics one with Christ. foggy October morning. The Italian liner, Conte di Savoia, dropped anchor in New York Harbor, and the news was flashed across the United States that Cardinal Pacelli was here on a visit. He was met by the clergy and by reporters. Your
3: Eminence, will you tell us what you think of the situation in Europe, Germany in particular?
2: I think everything is lost for the time being. We are living in most dreadful times, and I fear we have not yet seen the worst. There are brutal forces in Europe that threaten every moment to cause a catastrophe. But in spite of what may come, the Church must carry forward the gospel of love and peace. <laughs>
1: Cardinal returned to Rome, Hitler was coming to visit his friend, Mussolini. Rather than see the Nazi banner flying in Rome, the Cardinal and the Pope went into the country. The place was only 17 miles away from the Vatican. But for Cardinal Pacelli, it was the beginning of the longest journey he was to take while on this earth. For his friend, Pope Pius XI, died in the cold, small morning hours of February 10th, in that dark year of 1939. And Cardinal Pacelli, appointed some years before to the honorary post of Camerlingo, assumed full responsibility for Vatican affairs until a new pope should be elected. The world had witnessed his courage in the face of peril. It was to witness even greater courage in the next few months and years. For this man cried peace while the world was in flames about him. And he remained at his post while the bombs fell. listened to a brief outline of the events leading up to the moment before Cardinal Pacelli became Pope Pius XII, who in word and deed was our Lord's vicar on earth during some of the most terrible years of history.